Welcome to Death and Aliens, an in-depth look at horror and sci-fi TV from two friends who vaguely know what they're doing. I'm MK. And I'm Courtney. And um, in things that I couldn't, didn't think were possible, this week was even shittier for me. Yay. Um, My class... My homeroom is quarantined for COVID. But you're okay. You're not sick. I'm not sick. I have no symptoms and I'm fully vaccinated. And so I'm fine. And I get tested for COVID twice a week at my other job. So like, I'm perfectly fine. But also. I didn't know you had to get tested twice a week at the theater. Yes. Yep. It's horrible. Um, But um, there's nothing like having to switch your class to entirely on Google Classroom three minutes, like with like no preparation. And then also having a class that, for lack of a better word, is the epitome of learned helplessness. I've never answered such stupid questions in my life. Don't you know, no question is a stupid question. Yeah, I I thought that. (laughs) But on the plus side, which that term plus is actually very important in that statement, Disney Plus Day was on Friday. And so this weekend, I have watched all of Olaf Presents. My birthday. Yes. Shang-Chi, which I fell asleep during. It's so good, though. I liked it. I know, but we watched it. We started it at 9.30 on Saturday. Oh, mistake. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we started it at 9.30 on Friday night. And after the week I had by Friday, I just, it was not a thing. But then last night, we watched Jungle Cruise. Oh, I haven't seen it still. Oh God, so good. Oh, I forgot it was coming too because I was reading about it and I was like, okay, Black Widows is recent, which I think it's like a month now. Yeah. And I saw Shang-Chi and I was like, I've seen both of these movies. I saw them in theaters. So I was like, not too worried about it. And then I forgot Jungle Cruise. So I watched Olaf Presents, Shang-Chi and Jungle Cruise all as soon as they came out. I was like. I love that. So that was the highlight of my week. Yes, that's an excellent highlight. Um, I too have had a long week. All right. So my week was uh, fine, I guess. It was very long. Um, I looked at my hours yesterday when I printed them out. That was the end of the week. And my second job, 35 and a half hours. That means I worked 75 hours this week. And um, that's fine, I guess. Um but I've switched over into serving, which is exciting because I make more money, which is good because I don't have money. And um, so I did my first real serving shift yesterday and it was a double. So I was there for 13 hours. Um, I was real sleepy, real sleepy. I got there at noon and I left at one, <laughs> um, but it was fine for the most part. We needed more than two servers and we had two servers. Um, But next Saturday, I'm also working a double, but we have three servers. So it's fine. We'll be fine. 
Um, we have some new bartenders. Uh, they're all from Ireland. So you have to, I don't know if you've met a lot of Irish guys, they're different than Irish women, but Irish guys, they, uh, they're fine, but they're always jerks, whether they like you or not. Like the way they joke around is not nice. See, but the way I joke around is not nice. So like, I don't, well, it's, well, it's okay if you know it's a joke though, because mm. with, with the guys that I've met, I've just met them all because they've just started this week. And so I've been trying to figure out, I'm like, do you hate me or are you joking with me? And it took me about three or four hours last night to realize that Johnny was joking with me and we're friends. Okay. But I had a, a few hours where I was a little fussy because I thought he was just being mean to me. <laughs> but then he told me that he wouldn't, he didn't know what he would do without me. So it's fine. We're friends. I'm over it. But so it's been a very confusing week meeting all these new people. Um, they seem fine, though. What did you do for um, your birthday? Well, um, I was going to tell you on next week's episode, but I'll, I'll tell you now. <laughs> um, so I had some friends come in town. Um, and uh, my friend Noelle lives in Jersey, so she's just across the way. And her birthday was two days before mine. So, um, my birthday was Friday. Hers was Wednesday. So they came in town on Thursday and I worked until midnight. <laughs> I was supposed to be hostessing and get off at like nine 30 Nope. Got off at midnight. And, uh, my friend Dom who I went to the haunted story with came in from long Island. And then our friend Lindsay flew in from Minnesota and they came to the bar and hung out. We were so busy, but I like chatted with them some, um, they were there for a few hours and then we went out and, uh, we went to this place called Pig and Whistle. Um, there's a film around the city. If you know New York, you may have been there. Um, they're fine. But it closed at like one. They did like last call as I was like walking in the bar to meet them. And I was like, oh. and then they were like, we're going to catch the one o'clock train. I was like, I just got off work. I was like, it is my birthday. It has been my birthday for one hour. You cannot leave. <laughs> so I convinced them to stay out till 430 in the morning. And um I got home before all of them because I'm much closer and I just took a cab <laughs> had pizza rolls and watch castle when I got home and they got home between six and seven in the morning and uh, still loved me the next day, but uh, or, or so they say, um, <laughs> we'll see if they hang out with me ever again, but it was a good time. It was a good time. So it was, uh, and then I worked on my birthday from um, like five to 11 or something. Well, that's not a bad shift, know. though. No, that's the hostess shift, though. That'll probably never happen again now. But <laughs> it was, uh, but also, like, I just made okay money. So now I'll make, like, real people money. But I'll have longer shifts. So, yeah. So my birthday was excellent. My mom sent me flowers to my office while I was not there after I told her I wasn't going to be there. So I'll see them Monday. Hope they're great. She says they're, she hopes they're beautiful still. Um. Yeah, it's just been a, it's been a weird week, but a good week. Just very strange. Lots lots of weird things happening. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, lots of things happening, episode five of Dead Like Me was called yes. Reaping Havoc. And it did. It was rated 8.2 stars, which is the highest since the pilot. I don't know about that. I, I like this episode a lot. Like, obviously, in the in the overarching plot of the story, 
it's kind of a bummer, but like the episode itself, I actually really like this episode. I think it's, well, I mean, I liked it, but like, I don't know if it was my second favorite, but I mean, I've liked every episode so far. So it's not like I didn't like any of them. Um, it came out on July 25th, 2003, the number one movie for that weekend was Spy Kids 3D Game Over. Yes. <laughs> uh, one of the best. I mean, my least favorite of the Spy Kids movies. Well, of the original. Yeah. Movie, I don't count. I don't know what happened one. after that. Yeah. yeah. But. Well, I love the cast. Like, Alexa Pinavega is one of my faves still. I follow her all over social media. And when she was all dancing with oh, the same. stars, I adored oh, her. Same. And Caitlin Salson Weems loves Antonio Banderas. So that's fair. I mean, I do too. Also, awesome. Daryl Sabara is married to Megan Turner, and I love that. Yes, that blew my mind. I learned about that like two months ago. I don't know if that's when they got married or if that's just when I learned about it. But uh, they've been married since at least 2019. Yes. Well, I learned about it two months ago, and it blew my mind. <laughs> um. Yeah. Also, um, Alan Cumming as Floop is one of my favorite things in the world. Oh, I forgot about that. I haven't seen that movie in so <sighs> long. <sighs> but I was so excited to have it because it came with the 3D glasses. <laughs> the DVD set or was it DVD yes. at that time? What year were we in? Yeah, it was DVD, 2003. I'm pretty sure I saw it in the movie theaters. No, I but definitely the, saw it in movie theaters. But the DVD did come with 3D glasses. Right. Yeah, I remember that. Um, yes. So our blurb says, George mistakenly pops the wrong soul and all hell breaks loose when Betty decides to piggyback on a soul and cross over. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It was directed by James Marshall, um, who directed before Dead Like Me. He didn't have a ton of work. But he did direct several episodes of The Famous Jet Jackson, which is one of the most underrated Disney TV shows ever. Yes. Um, Then he also directed 26 episodes of Smallville. And um, starting in season five, he was the executive producer for Smallville. So. Did he join the cult? No. That's good. Callum Blue did at one point. The Nexium cult? Yeah. For like a very short time. And he got out and he was like, no. That's devastating. And he was never involved. And he was never involved in any of the stuff with the the children. That's good. And he was never, I guess he didn't make it to that level. No. That's good. Um, But I mean, he was on Smallville also. So like he knew all those people and didn't. It was written by JJ Philbin. Um who prior to writing Dead Like Me, he was a staff writer for SNL. Um, He wrote a bunch of episodes in 1999 and 2000. His last episode was the episode hosted by Jackie Chan. Mm. Um, And then he went on to write for The O.C. and New Girl. (laughs) (laughs) The O.C. is, I understand it's not the best show that's ever been done. But it's probably my favorite show of all time. <laughs> I love it so much. It's where I learned my love of Ben McKenzie. And I have talked Lydia, who I work with at the bar, into watching it. And she is currently starting season three of The O.C. Oh, 
<laughs> Perfect. Um, there was one guest star whose name was written in the opening credits, and that was Jackie Burroughs. She played Florence, the racist dead old lady, who I am obsessed with. I um, love her. She began her film career in 1964. Um, she uh, has about 115 credits. Um, most of them are really small. She played Hetty King in Road to Avonlea, which was an Anne of Green Gables TV show from the 90s. Um, she was Morag the Witch on the Ewoks TV show. I didn't even know they had a TV show. Oh, it is bad. It is very bad. Um, and then she was a voice in Angela Anaconda. I loved that show. Right. Um, so, yeah, that was uh, our precursors. Um, I like it. I like it. So we start off the episode with, I don't remember what. I watched this. Eddie's death. We get a flash of her no, jumping off. No, we don't. Not first. That's not first. The first. No, thing- they do like a, a screen of someone falling into the water and then flash over. And I was like, did Betty just die? Oh, okay. And then they come back and explain it to you. Oh, later. okay. Well, because um, my first note says Dolores is obnoxious. Oh, yes. Yes. So, oh, because we start with George at the office in trying to fix the copier. And... Um, Dolores comes in and is like congratulating Mike, the guy in IT who fixed the copier and they're having like a weird conversation, but it bugged me because in the end of the last episode, Dolores was mad at Millie, but then she's just suddenly not mad at her anymore. Yeah. Whatever. But then she decides she's going to bring Millie into her, her inner circle and invites her to scrapbook club time. Yeah. I feel like, Oh, go ahead. I said, could you imagine a work scrapbook? <laughs> it made me think of from the office, the uh, whatever it was, the fine dining society or whatever. <laughs> and that's what I thought of the whole time. I was like, this is ridiculous. But then they showed um, George's inner monologue of her work scrapbook as a reaper where she just had like, exploded testicles and like weird shit and i was like i loved every minute of that i was like this is how i want to do a scrapbook and i love scrapbooking i used to do it as a child oh i i used to scrapbook too i was really good at it for a 10 year old um yeah same same um so then we got um a longer uh scene of betty's original death in her real life her and her boyfriend are cliff jumping and then her boyfriend just stops and doesn't jump off a cliff and she does um like a jerk yeah Uh, she does not realize that the water is very shallow where they jumped off and she (sighs) becomes dead but her that then she has this really adorable conversation with Rube at the bottom of the cliff about how jumping is the only thing that makes you feel alive and like falling and landing are just things that happen and it was just like oh I love it love it 
I know. I was like, it made me wish I wasn't afraid of heights, but alas, hmm. <laughs> I'm concerned about the jumping, falling and landing. So not for me. I'm not really concerned about the falling, the jumping and the landing. Mm. Definitely. The falling. I don't hate, like, I like roller coasters. I like that feeling. Mm-mm. No, I do not. Oh. See, I won't ride Everest. I did it one time and I got like vertigo and I was like, never again. What about Tower of Terror? Tower of Terror is fine because it's inside. That's also why I can ride rock and roller coaster. If it's inside and I can't really tell what's happening all the time, I'm okay. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is you're not going to go to Cedar Point with me. I do not know what that is, but no. <laughs> Cedar Point is an amusement park that has some of the tallest fastest most dangerous roller coasters in the world it's i will do they have funnel cakes probably i'll go with you i'll eat funnel cake and hold your stuff that's what i do (laughs) perfect um so then we go to the diner and george is being real depressed about i don't know what her and ruber in a fight um, but I wrote, uh, Rube is a fucking mood. <laughs> yeah. And I think, is this, this happens. So first they have, uh, Betty and George sitting with the guy at the diner who dies and Betty's taking photos of him right yes and they're talking about they're having like because oh this whole episode is george just wants a friend she's like i realized i have tons of co-workers in both of my jobs and i have no friends and so then she's like maybe betty will be my friend for 30 seconds yeah oh no rube being a fucking mood was still in the death scene i think in Betty's, his conversation with Betty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's when I was really feeling him. Um, yeah. So but then, yeah, so Betty and uh, George are going to be friends. Mm-hmm. And then we see Mason. Wait, I want to talk about how this guy died. <laughs> okay. The guy, because yeah. it has added a new fear to my life. Um, oh, Yeah. He has, he goes to put his jacket on or whatever, some, something from his closet. And there's a spider on the back that he doesn't see. Yeah. And it like bites him and he like passes out in traffic and gets hit by a car. And I was like, that would happen to me. That's, I don't like spiders already. And well, I do not, I do not at all. And so I just added a new fear to my life this week. That's good. Good times. Good times. I mean, of all of the deaths in this episode, that's the most reasonable one. Yeah, but it's the one I'm uh maybe that's why it's the one I'm most afraid of. That's fair. That's fair. So um, so then we go to see Mason, who is hanging out with a dead old broad named Florence, who is a hoot and a half. Absolutely. Um I just put this little old lady. <laughs> 
Um, she says some of the most racist shit I've ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, oh, no. I know when I said Rube was a mood. It was Rube at the diner. He was also saying racist stuff, but not really intentionally. They were talking about going on vacation for work. Mm -hmm. And he said, the Orient's nice this time of year. And I was like, yeah. But then he was talking about how all when they go to exotic locations, they only do deaths in the morning. And George was like, well, maybe it could be like late afternoon, early morning, because clearly she doesn't want to wake up. And he's like, no, no, no. It has to be the morning because then the rest of the day is siestas and sangria. And I was like, correct. Correct. Yes. That was when I'm I'm down for that. Um, But so Florence is hella racist and Mm -hmm, also mm -hmm. hates her entire family. Yes. Which apparently they don't come visit her. So like fair. Yeah. um, So the whole thing with her and Mason was that she was just dead. And he was hanging out with her soul, obviously, until somebody comes because you're supposed to like have closure or whatever. But um, it took a hell of a long time. Well, she was probably already like, I mean, she's super old. So she was probably already like hanging on by a thread before she went. So it was like she was hanging out, taking forever to die. Right. Except that they are the Department of External Causes. So she did not die a natural death. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, she straight up unalived herself for attention. But they don't do. But they don't do suicides. Yes, they do. Homicide, suicide. No, homicide, suicide, accident. Those are the three that are in there. Oh, I thought they yes. said they didn't do that. I see. No, I see. They don't do natural deaths like a heart attack. They would not have done. Gotcha. So the fact that Mason is the one with her means that she killed herself i'm with you i follow okay which makes her even more feisty because she just killed herself and then was like why is no one coming to see me (laughs) oh and she wanted to make it harder on them she was like no leave me here don't tell anyone you don't tell anyone they can find me um then we get, I think this is when the spider scene, diner scene happens. No, nope, that happened before. Because I have the little old lady afterwards. I, I meet her like five lines after I talked about the spider death. Okay. Well, because my note. I have her and then I have a note and then I have her again. Mm-hmm. She's like note, layered. Yeah. But my note is says such a good big sister moment. Oh, that's when she brought her the pictures to look at. I was telling her about everything. She okay. comes to her apartment. Mm-hmm. But somewhere in all of these things that I have not talked about any of George being at work because this episode was really hard to like follow 
because there was like three big storylines that just Mm -hmm. crossed over each other a lot. George has created a family for herself, for Millie. And um, Betty is the only one who's like really excited about it. And they're like sharing things about their lives and their fake lives and their fake families and what they do and everything and coping with being dead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's just some, some good shit. It is. This is when she brings all the pictures over and they're going through them. And she's like, I put them in different sacks for what they, what happened to them. I was like, no, it wasn't just what happened to them. No, it was, um, and who they were, who they were as people, like what. And like, so the one, like the one that they, um, George is like trying to test her. She's like, you don't actually know all of these people. So she pulls them out these pictures and she's like, who are they? And she was like, they are the people who are unoriginal who never have their own ideas. And like, so like all of these sacks are organized based on what kind of person they are based on the few minutes that Betty got to spend with them. Mm-hmm. She said, I just get a light bulb in my gut. I love that. Yeah. Um, so then we go back to Florence's house where Mason is going through everything in the house to try to figure out what is of value so that he can rob her. And um, she, this is when she says her really racist stuff. Yes. And um, then she decided to be to- fair. He's not robbing from her because she's dead. He's robbing from her children. She doesn't like true. No, no, no. Like so. he's robbing from her because he's dead, but he's letting her in on it because mm-hmm. they are going to plan together to not let her children who she hates get any of her money. So she's right. trying to teach him how to forge her signature so she can, he can get her social security checks. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. She's so petty. Uh- um, I think this is also the time when she says, uh, this may have been the scene before where she says, it would be really great if you just left my door open, let the coyotes get to me, then we'd really see what they think. Oh yeah. No, that was this scene that it was this scene. She was like, can you check if my body's cold? And he was yeah. like, no, it, it's lukewarm. Like it's room temperature. She's like, oh, not fast enough. He's like, do you want me to call anybody and like leave an anonymous tip? And she's like, no, I want to see how long it takes them to find me. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, Florence. Um, yes. Then we have a conversation between Rube and George that I have no idea where this takes place. Okay. I don't remember physically what they are doing, but I have notes about the content of the conversation. Is this when they were at the family reunion? No, not yet. Because I also have notes about him coming to pick her up for the family reunion. Gotcha. Um, So they're talking about, or maybe, nope, I lied. This is her monologue that says this line. Mm -hmm. The line is, no one is unique. That's why God made support groups. (laughs) Yes. 
it's her monologuing about what friendship really is and how all we do is like think that we're the most unique person in the world and then find people who are exactly the same as us and like have to like deal with our problems by only being friends with other people who have the same problems and she says no one is unique that's why god made support groups and i was like she was a few years ahead, but that's why Facebook groups were so successful during the pandemic because we couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't talk to anybody. So we just made new friends that like the, the number of times us. that I start a conversation by being like, okay, so my friend, well, they're not my friend. I'm in a Facebook group with them about the bachelor, but um, I just tell people it's my murder group. I'm like, these are my murder group friends. We are not murdering people, by the way. Let me make that very clear. This is recorded. We just listened to true crime podcast. Correct. Oh, one of my actual friends, like somebody I work with, is going to CrimeCon in Vegas in April. And I'm so jealous. Oh, I'm jealous. I want to go so bad. It was it was like in DC. Is it supposed to be in DC last year? I was like, that's so close. And then tickets it, are t- hella expensive. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Ugh. Anyway, um, my next note just says, wow, this episode is depressing. And <laughs> um, I'm not sure which conversation this is. It's something that happens between George and Dolores. And to be clear, I've skipped a lot of the George and Dolores conversations this episode, including the one where she um, explains her cat's bladder problems and explains the um, desperate need for a bowling team. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I do like their conversation that revolves around her Coke problem from the 80s. Yeah. When uh, George tells her she's going to go fly a kite with her sponsor instead of going. Yeah. So the she's lunch. like, yeah, I can't go to lunch with you because I'm going to go to the park because I'm one month sober. And then she goes very into deep detail about her Coke problems. Mm-hmm. Um. Also, was this episode the bowling team nope. or is that the next? No, nope, that's the next one. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's my episode. Yeah, no, I just, they kind of, the whole, all of Dolores and George's interactions in episodes five and six blended together into one conglomeration of weirdness. Well, once she starts talking about cocaine in this episode, that's pretty much the rest of their conversations this episode. Correct. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, but then we get the combination I never knew I needed. And that is Rube comes to pick George up to take her to the picnic. So obviously she's amidst the lie about needing a, a NA sponsor. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Rube walks in and Dolores is like, this is your sponsor. And Rube's attitude towards Dolores <laughs> might be the greatest thing I've ever in my life. I just love it. I love this scene so much. It threw me off because we've seen, we've only seen her with like Ruben Betty outside of the office. And we've seen her with Dolores in the office. And then it all finally like collided. It wasn't just yeah. jumping around. And I loved it. Yep. So then they go to this picnic and they're looking for somebody who's going to die. And I'm not really sure why, for some reason, 
we need all three of them at this one event. Well, they except, need to figure out who it is. Yeah, except for the fact that it's a huge family reunion, which means right. that everybody has the same name. Mm-hmm. So it's George's reap. She's supposed to be getting the soul. And um, Betty and Rube are trying to help her. And Betty thinks that the kid that is going to die is this bat kid who got stuck in the slide. Mm-hmm. And Rube thinks it is this guy who is an old cantankerous man that he has been fighting with since they got there. And mm-hmm. honestly, his conversations with the old guy, priceless. My money was on the old guy. I thought he was going to be the one to go. And then what it actually ends up being is this random guy who almost gets hit by a car. And then instead of getting hit by a car, he um, gets his face taken off by a canoe. I just said, what are these effects? I was like, that was the most ridiculous looking scene. I love the death because it was absurd, but the scene itself looked ridiculous. <laughs> um, so then we go back to the diner and George, Betty, Rube, and this disfigured dead man. MJ Plotkins. Yep, MJ Plotkin. That's his name. Um, he's disfigured and he is trying to convince them to send a note to his wife to let her know that he's okay. And he's like, well, you guys are supposed to um, like send a message to our family um, after Betty's being like super nice to him. And George says that Betty has the best dead side manner, which I love. <laughs> but <laughs> which as, is true, though. Yes. As he's trying to convince them that they um, need to send a letter to his wife, he was like, that's what you guys are here for, right? And Rube goes, I don't see Della Reese sitting at this table. When I tell you, I cackled so hard at that line. It is not even remotely funny because in the 1990s, there was this television show that starred Della Reese as an angel named Tess. Oh, the show was called Touched by an Angel. Yes. And Andrew was the angel of death in that show. And so sometimes when Andrew showed up, Tess and Monica knew that it was going to be something bad and they had to help the family through it when Andrew mm-hmm. took the soul to heaven. And it was one of my favorite shows because again, I, I was, also loved that show. When you are a little, a little Bible kid, that show is like the most adult show you're allowed to watch. Mm-hmm. And um, I loved it. And so when he said that, and I was watching this with my parents, I lost it. I did not know that was her name because it was a thousand years ago. Right. But I get it now. I also love Touch by an Angel. Yeah. Um, but also I love that Touch by an Angel is still a fictional TV show in this world. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it should be as it should be. Yeah. It yeah. should transcend universes. So I'm okay with that. So um, I wish I would have got it while I was watching it. Um, at some point during all this, Mason, I think, no, I think it happens a little bit later, but basically I want to just say it now because then I'm done with Mason for the story. Mason 
had found these paintings in Florence's house that he thought were beautiful, but he thought they were worth money. <laughs> and she was like, no, those are paintings of where I buried the dogs that died. So he, because he knows this, her family's not going to come, takes her and buries her body under the tree that she painted that she loved. Um, that doesn't happen yet, but that's the last thing that happens with Mason. So I'm just. Yes. Yes. Um, shows well, he's a good person still, even though he steals from everyone. He does have a heart. Yes. While he's burying this old lady, Betty and George are on their next um, reap. And it is at an Irish bar. And I laughed the entire time because all I could do was picture this is the bar I work at. And I was like, I need to make everyone do an Irish jig on the bar top. Um, I wrote, I hope I'm having that much fun when I die. Yes. Because this man was having the time of his life. It was his birthday party. He was doing an Irish jig on the bar. And then he unfortunately died in one of the most gruesome ways I've ever seen where he was impaled by a swordfish plaque. Yes. Um, But then when they're outside with the spirit, with Betty and George, he is still just like happy as a clam. Yeah. Like so grateful to have Mm -hmm. lived the life that he lived and loved the people that he loved. And like, he was like a one, how you should feel about your life when you die. Yes. But of course, because he was feeling that way about his life when he died, it reminded Betty of how much she used to feel alive. And his great beyond is the cliffs of Dover. So while he's Hmm. going, Betty's like, all right, George, take my picture and take my ring. I love you. But when one door is open, it's an opportunity you can't miss. And I love the jump. And I was so sad because um, I love Betty so much. And, um, and George was obviously devastated. You, we saw Mason kind of react kind of badly to it for a minute too, because he felt it. And Rube also reacts not super great to it mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um. And then we have a moment where Rube leaves a note on his door for death. And it says, what happened to her? Now, I believe that that is a misdirect. So I did some Googling. (laughs) Um, If this is in your trivia, you're welcome to cut me off. But when I was looking up why Betty left the show and all of this, because I needed to know, it came across one of like, there was an interview that was done with Brian Fuller and he put that in the show because he intended to bring her back in season two to lead um, George on this voyage for like an episode and then she'll be gone again. And it was going to get answered in season two. Yeah. But also, Brian Fuller wasn't attached to the show anymore in season two. So that's why. Right. In fact, Brian Fuller was barely attached to the show anymore now. Um, 
the last episode he wrote any part of was episode four. And by the end of season one, he was no longer <laughs> on the show. He, um, he tends to get fired from the shows that he works on. Yes. A lot. And my dad and I were trying to figure it out today because he wrote, has written on all of these amazing shows and created all of these amazing worlds and then never lasts on the show. And we're thinking that he just not a people person. That's what I would guess. I, I would because, guess it's a. Uh, because it's not his creative lacking. No, no. He, because he goes on and does another show that's mm-hmm. excellent. Exactly. So it's not like he doesn't have anything to write. Yeah. No, but I think that is a misdirect. Because I think that you're meant to gut react, like immediate upon seeing it, think that Rube is asking about Betty. But I don't think he is. Hmm. Because last week we saw this horribly heartbreaking moment of Rube having a date oh. with someone who didn't show up. Yes. I think this question is a misdirect. And that he's not asking about Betty. He's asking about her. I think that's fair. I mean, I think it's about Betty because I think that's what Brian Fuller said. But I like your theory better because it makes more sense since Betty never comes back. And I do want to know what happened to her. We don't even know who she is. But right. But I'm invested. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um. Truthfully, there actually was no trivia on IMDb about this episode. Oh, well, let me give is, you another one then. <laughs> we have to say, which I uh, is interesting mm-hmm. because there should have at least been the Touchman Angel connection listed on the page. Weird. Yeah. Or was it? Um, but you said you did actually look up why Rebecca Gayhart left the show. I did. I didn't um, because I... A, didn't have time, and B, mm-hmm. like, vaguely remembered something. was like, oh, I'll just remember it, but I didn't. Um, it is not happy. No, Let me I knew, I knew it that. wasn't, I knew it was not a good thing. Um, so she was, she had just finished a criminal lawsuit, was in the middle of a civil lawsuit regarding a um, car accident where a small oh, yeah. child died. I, talk, I talked about this in and, the first episode. right. Well, they decided to remove her from the show because they said that it was strange. She was acting as a reaper after she sent someone else to death and they didn't like the connection. And so they didn't want to get a bad connotation on the show because of it. And I do remember at Um, the time when she left the show, it was because it was like, it was super weird because like she didn't have like onset issues. Like a lot of times when people get fired from shows, it's because like there's bad things on set. She didn't have mm-hmm. onset issues. She was a good actor. Her character was doing really well. There was no reason for her character to leave. So it just felt really awkward. And then it was like, yeah. well. It's because the, the writers didn't want to write her off, but the executive producers made them. Yeah. The producers mm-hmm. were basically like, she's literally in the middle of this trial. She can't. We can't. We, we yeah. can't. It's bad for the brand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is fair, sad, right. but fair. Mm-hmm. Because also, but like, well, because also at Mark the time, came back from it. Well, and she she came back from it too, like not on this show, but mm-hmm. like she still has had a career. Like it's not like this is the last thing she ever did. She still has a career. Um, yeah. but 
at the time she had like just made it through the criminal lawsuit and, and moved into civil court. And there was still a chance that she was going to have to have like massive amounts of like remuneration and stuff like that. And she did end up having like, I think it was probation and community service and like a bunch of stuff that she had to do. And so like, they basically were like, while we think she's a good person, this show is too new to handle the onslaught of hate that will come out if this trial goes badly. Yes. Yes. Because she was already found not guilty of manslaughter in the criminal trial. Mm-hmm. Right. But there were still people who were very upset that she right. was found not guilty. I mean, because- a child did die. Exactly. Like, and she genuinely, like, it was an accident. It was right. a horrible situation. And I'm sure she doesn't feel great about it. But there were people who were like, you get to just keep living your life and working and making money and playing this happy character when you literally killed a child. Like, yes. not fair. And manslaughter does cover accidents as well. Doesn't mean you don't have to mean to do it for manslaughter. No, so no, like, of course. But like, yeah. I mean, but she was found not guilty. It was a whole thing. But like, the kid, it's not like she was found not guilty. And then the kid was like, because the kid didn't die. Like, you know what I mean? Like she was still right. in the vehicle and the kid still died. So whether the court deemed her guilty or not, public opinion of her was not great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Yes. Um, who would you like to punch? Oh, um. <sighs> Oh my goodness. Oh, sorry. One last note because it's unimportant to the plot, but I still loved it. Rube did leave a post-it for that lady's wife that said, love Jesus. Yes. Yes. I did like that. Um, Oh my goodness. Who do I want to punch? My normal go-tos I liked. I guess if I had to pick anyone, I'd pick Dolores because she's annoying but i just i did like i loved listening to her talk about doing cocaine in the 80s it made me laugh so much so i think if i had to punch anyone in this episode it would be florence not because i don't love her but because mm-hmm. she did use racial slurs and so like just yeah. one quick like tap to the jaw as punishment for that i guess that's fair and she did die already so it's not like we're like you know, doing a whole right, lot and like her. I don't. That's I don't a good pig. I don't hate her, but should somebody have said something about that? Probably, yeah. Right, right. This maybe, was two thousand three, nineteen sixty, not nineteen sixty three. Right, like maybe that's why her kids hate her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's fair. That's probably a better pick. Yeah. So who's your MVP then, Betty? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot another detail about at the end of the episode when Rube and George are alone in the diner and George is crying about Betty. And Rube's like, hey, like Betty told me that Millie has an older brother. And George says, no, she has an older I know. I Rube, almost cried. I was like, I can't. And Rube was like, she was something. It's so sad. Oh, Betty. I'll miss you. 
I didn't hear anything you just said. Your I, I just said R.I.P. Oh, okay. <sighs> <sighs> How about you? What is is Betty your MVP also? Yes, yes, for the rest of all time. <laughs> She's not in anymore. <laughs> she can't be your MVP next week. She's not even. Yes, she can. I do what I want. <laughs> hey. Okay, fine. I'll pick someone different. But next episode. But yes, this episode, she is my MVP. Because I love her. I do. I love her. <sighs> well, on that heavy, heavy note. Listen, the, really show's good at like, the show is like, a, no, the show's supposed to be funny. And like, the yeah. okay, the writer of this episode wrote for SNL. Why are you making me cry? Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, we're just sweet. I mean, we always end on like a sad note. I don't know why we it's end up on a these sad note. Too. Are really funny in the dialogue, but the plot is actually depressing. Yeah, yes, that is fair. And um, I will say I was a little bummed. I didn't. We didn't see a lot of a uh, Reggie and Joy in this episode. Did not. We didn't see Roxy either. Oh yeah, sure enough, we didn't. Now, here's my only problem with not seeing Roxy. Like, I get it. There's a lot of main characters. You kind of got to spread the love around. And obviously, George is the focus of the episode. Mm -hmm. But episode four ended with Roxy, with us finding out that Roxy also cheated the system. Right. And then she wasn't in episode five at all. Yeah. Yes. What are we we supposed to do with that? I thought we were going to, like, start with her. Right. And we did not, but whatever. And you like, she wasn't there for Betty's death. And like, you don't have to like do a lot about her. Just throw her into the diner scenes. Like, you don't have to like. She must've had a scheduling conflict that week or something. She had to have. Or maybe she didn't want to work with Betty. Maybe so. Cause you know, she does do a lot of work with like kids. Yeah. I do not know. I don't know. Um, should they do too busy. They <laughs> do know that you can follow us on social media at Death and Aliens. And you can follow me at E-M-K-A-Y underscore superstar. And you can follow me at C-E Cloud 13. And, um, Maybe one day we'll figure out how to end an episode without like just being like, okay, we're done. Bye. And we're sad about what happened. Maybe. Maybe we will one day watch a show that doesn't make us depressed. Yes. When we move to our next horror show, we will will be having happy rainbow days. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Yep. We will see you guys later this week. See ya. Bye.